Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this is a fun, special, little bonus episode with someone I want to consider modern-day royalty, Broadway royalty, Kelly O'Hara. Her latest project is HBO's The Gilded Age, and uh, this has conveniently been released the year of the 100th anniversary of the Titanic sinking. You'll find out why I bring that up in the episode and, uh, of course, how it ties to Downton Abbey. There is the connection with that. This show, if you haven't seen it already, please go watch it. You cannot throw a stone. I literally say this in the interview. You can't throw a stone without hitting a Tony winner. There are so many Broadway people, amazing Broadway people in the show, including Kelly, including Audra, including Michael Cerverus, and just, I mean, the list, uh, Celia Keenan-Bolger, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's phenomenal. So Kelly, of course, seven-time Tony Award nominee. Cannot wait to share this interview with you. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. Spotify, actually. If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave reviews on Spotify now. Please make use of that feature. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. You can find more episodes at bpn.fm slash ttp. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Kelly O'Hara. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here you go. One, two, three. Our guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her a quick one anyway. She's a seven-time Tony Award nominee who took home the coveted award in 2015 for her performance in The King and I, and also has an amazing career not only on Broadway, but also in opera and now on TV and film. She can currently be seen on TV in The Accidental Wolf. And now, of course, what I am so excited to talk about, the new HBO series, The Gilded Age. Kelly O'Hara, welcome to the theater podcast. Thank you, Alan. Nice to be here. What got you into Broadway in the first place then? Well, I love Broadway, but I don't sing current Broadway. 
So I got an opera degree because that's where my voice fit during college. I mean, you know, obviously now I've gone away from it for a long time. So when I try to go back there, it's because I want to sing the way I feel the most comfortable singing. I often fit my, myself into unusual size boxes to be on Broadway. Um, or I do revivals or I do new shows that are written with a more classical score. Um, I just am not a pop singer. That's, and that is what the current Broadway um, atmosphere is. So I've just worked really hard to find my place, you know, find special, the special, uh, you know, acceptance for me somewhere. I just is, look for it. Is the opera schedule as, I don't know much about opera at all. Is the opera schedule as grueling as the eight show a week Broadway schedule? Oh, not at all. But I mean, it's, it's on purpose, you know, it's a much more grueling. There's no microphones. You're using the, you know, the absolute, uh, top of your physical form to make, to produce a sound and, you know, doing two shows, two performances a week is about what you can ask from an opera singer to use their instrument that way. You know, the, you get a lot of flack on Broadway for using microphones, but the reason we use microphones is because we do eight shows, not two. And in order to do eight, we have to preserve and be protected. I've never understood this. Like, I think Dear Evan Hansen was the first time I had seen where a, it was written into a contract where someone was only doing six shows a week because the the performance was so demanding. And now I've seen, maybe it's just like, now that I know it's there, that I, we notice that and we see more and more of that. But going back, coming out of COVID and the whole focus on mental health, which is wonderful, people are finally starting to talk about this. I would hope that that we can start to make it a norm to have leads, especially in something like you know, Moulin Rouge, of course, where it's it's like this too, where Satine only does six shows a week. Uh, Emin Hansen only does six shows a week. We in leads like this, I don't know how Miles Frost is going to do eight shows a week in MJ. No, I know. I You know, this is something that I never, because it had never been discussed or even, I couldn't even dream. I used to dream. That's not true. I used to dream all the time about a world, you know, Heidi Blickenstaff and Elizabeth Stanley sort of split the role a bit in Jagged Little Pill after Elizabeth yeah. had her baby. That is something that I could have, I mean, I would have given anything for something like that, but it wasn't even a, a thought in my mind as a possibility because I would have been able to spend more time with my brand new baby. I mean, I had a brand new baby twice while on Broadway. So that is so refreshing to see. And they, they had done it in London a few years back and I, I heard about it and I thought, oh my gosh, we got to get this. And now it's starting to trickle in. People are starting to take better care of themselves and ask for what they need. Because I'll be honest, looking back, whether I was down and out with the flu and always feeling pressure to get back to the show before I was ready, uh, I was mentally and physically exhausted for a better part of 15 years, plus, you know, tack on two kids. So this is this is a great thing because ultimately we give the audience the performance, the, the show that they've come to see with these great partnerships and understudies and covers and, and um, standbys or whatever they are. So let's make teamwork out of it and let's share the roles. I'm, I'm, boy, that sounds delicious to me. And it's better for your mental health too, because you miss your kids. You need to be with your kids chemically oh, and emotionally, and it recharges you for your shows. It would have saved me a lot of money in therapy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> just to have, just to have one night of good sleep. All right. So I want to talk about the Gilded Age. It's an incredible cast. When did you get the full cast list? Because it seems like you can't throw a stone without hitting a Tony Award winner while you're on set. I mean, it trickled in, you know, when I first joined, it was uh, already an embarrassment of riches uh, to join them. And then as it went on, 
they would add someone, it seemed like every day that was just blowing my mind. So yeah, it's been happening and I think it'll continue to happen, to be honest. And the, the filming of all of this um, took place during COVID, right? That's right. I mean, we were supposed to start, literally we were starting about March 16th of 2020. And wow. Uh, we did a read through and then we were all, we didn't come back. <laughs> I guess, I want to say primarily, like the bulk of this cast are stage performers and the, the performances, yours included, are so, uh, so intimate and so nuanced. Um, to carry these characters and carries these stories, the, these stories across the story across. How I guess it was it hard for all of you having performed together on stage in these big, big scenes to like bring it down and make these moments that are captured on camera like this. Well, I think the diff I think yeah. I mean, I love the fact that we all are sort of rooted in theater, but I think I can speak for most people. Um, I'm, uh, I've done enough of it, but not quite as much as some. Most of these people started in theater, but have had huge film and television uh, experience, you know, so they're very good at what they do. And I got to be there among it uh, and watch it and learn from it. Uh, but it, it, it wasn't hard to do that. It felt very natural to, to pull down and be intimate in these spaces and um, sort of live in this period. I think the period work was definitely improved and enhanced by the fact that we're theatrical people. Um, we love that part of it and, and going into this other era. But the intimacy and sort of the um, the more filmic uh, work was, I think, pretty natural to people. Most people had done enough of it. The costumes, by the way, yeah, are absolutely incredible. The period of this all and this the story of the Gilded Age starts in in 1882. So it's New York. I love how they're saying like, oh, the Upper West Side is on 61st Street, I believe, is where the, the bulk of the story takes place. And that's like so far uptown, right? Because everyone, there were no cars back then. This was all horse and buggy. And so <laughs> I guess when you're when you're filming all of this, is is it, uh, well, are you filming inside real brownstones in New York? Or is this as the inside all a soundstage and then the exterior shots are, are you know, matted with real half real, half CGI? Yeah, the, the magic of this is that it's shot in all sorts of places. We were in some real locations in New York City. We were also in Newport inside some mansions. We were also in Terrytown inside some old, you know, architecture. Uh, but we also have sound stages that are built and beautifully um, crafted to be exactly like the era. And they look, even when you're standing in them, they seem really real. Um, so the, the art department on this, Bob Shaw, the sets, it's just extraordinary. And were you working uh, directly with Julian Fellows at all, who created the series and, of course, created Downton Abbey very famously? Yes. Well, he was there always and always uh, he was in a room on a, you know, on a watching the video. Uh, he was very, very closely involved. Every word. Uh, this script was um, he it needs to be word, word perfect. There wasn't uh, a lot of improvisation. So he definitely had people down on the on the ground and he was always watching mostly always on location from a uh, from from a camera. How much did did you talk to, uh, I guess as a cast and with Julian too how much do you know and did you discuss about the whole history of the historical accuracy of all of this because before you answer that I want to say at Downton Abbey starts with the right after the Titanic sank which happens April 15th 1912 so we're coming up on the 100th anniversary. So I'm like oh gilded age all these characters the the you know your family legacy and of course the Vanderbilts the Astors there are so many of these rich 
you know, the old money, as they say in the show, that perished on the Titanic. Exactly. So our, is, I, I want to say like this is sort of a, an unofficial prequel. That's an interesting observation. And I think I wouldn't put it past him to have some sort of connected tissue there. I, I think uh, he's been working on this idea and researching and knows the history probably than most all Americans <laughs> uh, for, for 10 years, you know. And so and immediately upon getting this job, I, I went and read as much as I could about the Gilded Age. We sat through um, lessons about you know, cutlery and all sorts of ways to eat at a table, lots of different rules. We learned that, that the period inside and out, um, it's an extraordinary period. And, and I do love that there's a historical connection. We tell the story of certain real life characters and then there's a lot of fictional ones as well. Um, and so he, he, he's probably gonna thread that needle at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. I think from a publicity standpoint, it works very perfectly. Because like I said, they, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary and now episode one of the Gilded Age dropped uh, last week as we're recording this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that that gets all, all tied together and, and uh, you got a little smirk on your face. So I hope there's something you, you're not able to share yet. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just love that. You know, I think that very few things in this particular milieu are an accident. So we'll see. <laughs> well, so you personally then... Uh, you're getting into into TV and or you're doing TV and film so much of it. And I mentioned the Accidental Wolf too, which is is currently airing as well. And obviously, well known within the circles of most of my listeners as being this phenomenal powerhouse of of Broadway. And I've heard from a lot of people that it's been this bittersweet thing that has happened to people during shutdown. Of you're constantly, constantly, constantly working the shutdown abroad of for COVID, I mean, but you're constantly working. And then now with this time free, you can actually do things that you weren't able to do before, like really be with a fa your family. You have two children that, you know, uh, when you're in a show, you don't get to put them to bed. Right. And as a father myself, I think that's, that's hard. So talk me through when COVID hit, you're obviously gearing up for the Gilded Age. You have the table read right before shutdown or right after you said March 16th. Yeah. Right before the shutdown, we had the yeah, right before. And then all of a sudden everything comes to a halt. What's happening for you? You know, obviously professionally and creatively, I was, I was so excited. I was so excited to start the Gilded Age. And honestly, that schedule of the Gilded Age is a little bit more, um, you know, supportive of a family. You know, you don't work every single day. You're not shooting on the weekends and on holidays. Um, some days you don't shoot at all if your part is um, not in every single scene, you know. So that that is one of the reasons why I started to seek out a little bit more television in, in the interim. Of course, I'll always sing. I always do concerts, and I'm always looking to my next theater gig. But I did eight shows a week for, you know, almost 20 years. And when you do have kids, and mine are getting to be a little older where they really, they really they always needed me, but they, I think they need me now more than ever. When that shutdown happened, I immediately saw the silver lining in the fact that I was home with them. They were home with me. There was no call to, to leave. Um, but I was disappointed in the fact that I was gearing up for a job that would allow me to be home more, but also do the job. So when that all stopped, that was incredibly disappointing. And But I was, in, I was so encouraged and so lifted up by the fact that they were dedicated to have see this seeing this through and they held on to us they told us that they were here to stay 
And sure enough, by September, with all the protocol put in place, we got back to work when so many people didn't. And I felt really, really lucky for that, you know. So it's all been, it's all worked out pretty well. Do your kids get to come to set or are they pretty locked down with all with everything going on at the moment? Yeah, at the moment they haven't. You know, we'll see how the future, what the future looks like. But in the last, you know, shooting season one, it was so tight lockdown. It was so careful. Nobody was on that set unless you were, you know, tested and, and part of the process. Uh, but my kids always have come to the theater with me, always. And so I hope to make them a part of whatever I do. Have they shown any interest in following in mom's footsteps? You know, uh, some some kids, theater uh, children of theater actors are like, I don't ever want that life at all. And some are like, I can't live without it. Well, my 12-year-old my is, a, is a great musician. He He's in the School of Rock. He plays the piano. He sings. He plays the guitar. He's he's really showing that sort of, but, but no interest in acting. However, my eight-year-old is um, going to be starring in <laughs> Shrek Junior, the musical for the elementary school. So, uh, or one, she's got a good part in it. But she's uh, <laughs> she's showing uh, signs that make my husband and I go, "Oh my gosh, no!" But she's yeah, she's <laughs> loving it, and there's no there's no fear of it yet. And we're just leaving them alone, letting them do their own thing. That's interesting. I. I... I have a five and a half and a seven year old and the five and a half year old right now has become so clingy. And we heard through through uh, a presentation from our school the other day that that's side effect of quarantine and COVID and not developing these social skills that they're they're clinging to us as the parents because they don't have the social structure to go through. And it, it's bittersweet to me because I love being home with the kids, of course, and we're recording them in my home office and I haven't been to any office in two years, more or less. Knowing Knowing now... Um, the break and the, the respite that people like yourself have been able to get to actually go back and spend some time that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get with your children, I think is so unbelievably valuable. And they're not going to forget this. No, and I never will either. I mean, I've tried to look at that particular part of this as the greatest gift. I really have. Um, our family has learned learned each other in ways that we hadn't and, and we would have never had the opportunity. And I know that it is such a struggle for these kids. We, we won't know the long-term effects. What I do know is that it's it's okay to be here near your family. You know, that's okay. And that's that, that will hopefully work out to be something good for them. I love that. And in the few minutes we have left, I want to close with the three standard closing questions that I ask everybody on my podcast. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Honesty, truth, truth motivates me. And what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Authenticity. It is just a, a, a put you in a box type of business. And the only thing that breaks you out of it is just being your true, true self, staying true to who you are. And then this is probably the hardest question then. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? My goodness, that is hard. Maybe Sunday in the Park with George. I don't know. Oh gosh, I don't know. I can't. I, I play the fifth. <laughs> okay. So then um, I'll throw in a fourth one here. Opera or Broadway? Broadway. But you got, you got trained classically in opera, right? Yes, I did, but I, my love has always been Broadway. Uh, even while I was training for opera, it was Broadway. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. Everybody, please do not forget to watch The Gilded Age on HBO. Please find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review now, both on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Take your pick. See you next time. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 